broken appointments. They cost us money, they mess up our schedule, and they're frankly rude to other patients who would have loved to have used that time. Can we fix the problem? You're listening to Reach MDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Rosemary Nelson, principal with the Medical Group Management Association's Healthcare Consulting Group. That was a mouthful. Well, welcome, Rosemary. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Well, first of all, tell us about yourself and the group that you're with, the Medical Group Management Association's Healthcare Consulting Group. Tell us about it. The Healthcare Consulting Group is a division of the Trade Association, MGMA, that has about 21,000 members representing about 270,000 physicians with a mission to continually improve the performance of medical group practice professionals and the organizations they represent. My area of expertise is in practice operations and technology. Okay, and how'd you get there? What's your background? That's a great question. It's pretty long-winded. The best business background I obtained was having worked for a bank and moved quickly into medical group management and then spent some time in the vendor world. Okay. So let's talk about broken appointments. There was a wonderful article from Physicians Practice Magazine that you wrote. And do you think that broken appointments or no-shows are more of a problem today than they were, say, 20 years ago? Or are people more rude or so busy the problem is increasing? (laughs) Well, without showing too much of my age, I'd have to say from my experience over the last 20 years, I don't really think that it's more of a problem, but I do think that we're more sensitized to it because of declining reimbursements. Missed appointments really impact our revenue. And after all, the doors are open, the lights are on, we're still paying those expenses, so I think we feel it more. Right. So let's talk about that impact. What is the real impact on a practice with increasing no-shows? How does it really affect the bottom line? Can't you just overbook? Well, then we'd have about the same kind of satisfaction ratings that the airline industry has right now, and we know that that's not doing too well. That impact is just that. It's the profit equation. You know, there's two components to it, revenue and expenses. We've got those six expenses, the rent, the salaries, the utilities. Those are going to be incurred whether we're seeing patients or not. So we've got to have that schedule optimized. And if we think about a solo practice with a no-show rate of something like 10%, National averages are between 15 and 22%, but let's say it's 10%. Wait, wait, stop that. 15 to 22% no-show national That's average? the national average. Wow. And, you know, we're mixing in a lot of different practices, a lot of different styles, clinics, outpatient units of integrated delivery systems, so there's a wide variety between what you might experience in the wonderful home private practice and that practice in an inner city clinic or a rural health center. Okay. Now, if we look at that solo practice and their no-show rate is a conservative 10%, and say they see 30 patients a day, that's three patients a day that are no-showing, right? And if the visit generates $100, just to use round numbers, that's $300 a day. Over four days in a week, that's $1,200 in a week. So you can see that in the course of a month, we're looking close to $5,000. That's a pretty sizable impact on the revenue stream. And multiply that by 12 months a year. Right. It's huge. Okay. So in the article, you start talking about technology as the answer. Tell us about some of the technological responses to the no-show issue. There are some great tools out there that do automated reminder calls. There are interactive website features that allow patients to request appointments when they want them, which really creates a whole different follow-up to when that patient is going to show up because they've already bonded with a practice and create a little bit more of a buy-in. 
letting patients self-schedule is a third option. But starting with something as simple as automated reminder tools might be the most effective tool that a practice could use. Okay, tell us about those. You've got systems out there like PhoneTree and Televox and MedVoice and AppMinder. And the average, I think, practice typically has their staff make these follow-up phone calls. Whereas if the tool is used, there's some consistency applied, you know it's getting done, and you know exactly when it's getting done, and you can track that. I'm a solo practitioner. Just give me a ballpark of what it would cost me to use one of these services. Do you know? Sure. Some of them are subscription-based. You might spend $100 a month, or you might buy it outright for five to $7,000. And from that example that I already showed you, if it's going to cost us $5,000 in a month with no-shows, if we can improve that, we can pay for the system in a few months. Wow. Sounds like a no-brainer. So it really does. So why not just let the staff make the calls? They're being paid anyway. They are being paid anyway, but they're being paid to do a whole lot of things. We have staff multitasking. We've got them greeting patients as they come in and answering the phones and trying to do those follow-up calls and sorting mail. And oftentimes, something gets lost. The last thing that seems to get done in a practice, aside from making follow-up phone calls while we didn't get paid, are making those reminder calls. It's not a very fulfilling job. You're just picking up the phone. You're trying to reach people who you can't typically reach during the day. You're leaving messages. It ends up getting delegated to the lowest person on the totem pole, who we probably didn't train very well to start with. Well, actually, the last thing that gets done in my practice is reminding me when my wife calls. I always seem to miss her messages. They they always seem to be too busy. (laughs) That's not a good thing. All right. These electronic secretaries, can they go multilingual? They absolutely can. That's the beauty of it. You may not have multilingual folks in your office, and you have that feature that you can take advantage of as well. Do you have to speak the language? or No, you do not. Okay. And how do these services obtain appointment information? That's a great question because if you've got an appointment scheduling system, a computerized system, you can simply produce that print file where you normally would print out your scheduling report, produce that print file electronically, and the receiving system, those automated calls, accept that print file and then convert that to the task that they need to handle. If you're one of the few practices that's still using a paper book and a pencil to schedule your appointments, you can still fax that in or actually type it into a web application and still get the same features and functions. Okay. Well, here's a question I just thought of. Is this HIPAA compliant to call somebody at home and say you have an appointment with Dr. Jones? Well, think about it. We're already doing it, right? We probably had that patient sign a release or a waiver saying that we may be contacting you via phone, via mail, and that patient signed off on that. Okay. And you talk about self-scheduling on the web is another idea. Can you talk to us about that idea? That kind of scares me to patients booking their own appointments. Yeah, I'm sure it would scare most physicians. There are some groups who are doing it. You have to really think about what we're trying to do. We're trying to become a very patient-centered practice. We want to differentiate ourselves. We want our patients to feel like this is the place that we care for them. This is the place that provides their health care, and we're going to be concerned about providing it when they want it and when they need it. So if we let the patients have the slot that they want and not have to fit into some carefully designed template that we created that seldom runs true to course, As many physicians who create these wonderful templates, we modify them and we hack them up day in and day out. Whereas if we create some opportunities where the patient can self-select based on what's available, just like in the airline industry, and providing a little bit of input, whether it's an acute or an exam or a physical, so that basically we're looking at two kinds of appointments in a practice, right? Short or long. We just need the patient to pick whether it's 
a short or a long, based on a few questions. Wow. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Rosemary Nelson, a well-known healthcare technology guru, about ways to prevent no-shows in your practice. Well, self-scheduling, I would be concerned that some computer geek would get into my system and start scheduling Sunday appointments because I have patients who want those all the time. They wonder why I'm not open seven days a week. (laughs) Well, you can certainly control that because your template will be designed just as an airline schedule or an airline seating chart is designed with only those slots that are available. So the patient will only see those slots where you have opened up your schedule. In fact, that's one easy way for you to try it. You could get on there and just open up afternoon appointments or just morning appointments and see how that works. I think it's an interesting idea. We may try that in my practice. Now, these electronic callback services can also remind patients it's time for their regular appointments, so it can actually generate income by generating more patient appointments, correct? Absolutely. I call those recalls. You know, we don't do nearly as good a job as some of the folks who take care of our car and they let us know when it's time for our oil change or the people who service the furnace in the winter or the air conditioner in the summer, they know when it's time to come in and take care of that equipment. We need to do the same thing with our patients in terms of managing that patient's care. So whether it's a mammogram or flu shot time or their annual physical or immunizations that are missing, whatever that happens to be, those are great, great ways to use this service. Well, I keep ignoring the postcards from my dentist, so that's okay. Let's switch gears for a minute, and let's talk about the other side that you don't talk about in your article. How about making patients more responsible? I mean, what do you feel about charging for broken appointments? Having a policy that charges for a missed appointment can be a deterrent. Lots of groups have demonstrated that. However, you will need to be prepared to back off a lot of those charges. You're going to find that you'll create some courtesy write-off for those first-time offenders. You know, this is the first time I've ever missed an appointment. I've been a patient for 10 years. I can't believe you're going to charge me for that. And that's okay, but it will cost you something because you'll have staff busy doing all these debit credit entries instead of posting payments and posting charges and following up on insurance companies. As long as you track that, you also want to know that it was the first time that you weren't continually writing off this little service fee for Rosemary Nelson. That would be a good thing. All right. But how about, for instance, in our office, we had a lot of patients who were no-showing for procedures and for surgery visits. And we just asked for a credit card guarantee. We never charged the credit card. We asked for the number. And our no-shows for surgeries went down to zero overnight. I think that's great. I think that absolutely at the time that a patient makes an appointment for something that's what I call kind of a high-ticket item, that you help educate them as the importance of that appointment slot by asking for their credit card so that they do have that commitment. It's much like the commitment of when a patient makes an appointment that they have to self-select on the web because they've got some skin in the game. They put through a lot more effort to make that appointment and keep it. Right, because we just looked at the fact that hotel and car rental agencies do that. That's what we tell patients, that we won't charge your card unless you don't show for the surgery visit. Exactly, or give whatever it is, 48 hours notice, however much you request. Right, exactly. I think that's a great idea, and I think it's a good thing to educate your patients by printing that in your practice brochure, or if you've got financial policies that you hand out or you post them on your website, I think those are great places to let patients know about that. So I guess what we're saying is that you could really combine the best of both. You could have electronic reminders and some no-show penalties together. Absolutely. All right. Do you have any other suggestions for our listeners on how to end no-shows? How about just talking to patients sometimes about it? Well, when you've got a repeat offender, you absolutely want to chat with them. And the other thing when it comes to your revenue, you know, there are folks who continually miss their regular preventive care, but they're there when they have an acute issue. 
take care of their preventive care at the same time. might cost a little bit more in today's slot, but you're going to help that patient and you're going to help yourself because you won't make that follow-up appointment for them that they won't keep. Yeah, it sounds like we're still looking for our bottom line here, but we're really focusing on patient care, and I think that that's really good for practices. It's a win-win for everybody. Well, Rosemary, thanks for being our guest today and discussing the whole aggravating idea of no-shows. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM157, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMDXM is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients. We welcome your questions and your comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. Our all-new on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library, and we thank you for listening. 